This week, Wendy has a bit of a TMI moment. Robin interviews musician Emo Spacebird, and we enter the blanket fort to discuss imposter syndrome. All this and more on The Leftscape! Hi, this is Wendy Sheridan, and you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hi, I'm Robin Renee. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley, and we are celebrating October as Inktober. Yay! Inktober is uh, the brainchild of a gentleman whose name is evading me right now, even though I was Uh looking at it this morning. (laughs) Um, It's... It's uh, uh, you're supposed to draw something in ink every day for the entire month of October. Uh, And he gives you drawing prompts, which you may or may not follow. It's not really that rigorous. Um, And everybody's supposed to do this. Everybody who wants to. It's kind of like, you know, NaNoWriMo in November where people are supposed to write 50,000 words of a novel in November. I have tried that a couple of times and never got through it. But last year I did Inktober and uh, I did draw every day. It was rough. I'm doing it again. I remember so, enjoying the drawings that you did last year. So if you want to follow my Inktober drawings, I, I'll be posting them on Instagram and uh, on my uh, Wendy Cards Facebook page. And I'm uh, Wendy at Wendy Cards on Instagram. So if you want to follow me to see what I'm going to be drawing this this month uh that would be great oh and you know what it's yeah, also, forward to it. <laughs> you'll be doing this at home which is good because it's national work at home week yes yes and also it's fire prevention week which when i was in fifth grade i won an award for so did you prevent a fire yeah cool <laughs> no i wrote something about fire prevention and it was <laughs> It, it's, it's sometime I'll tell you the story. It's the saddest story of my life, but it ends happy. <laughs> wow. Okay. We, we have to, I want to hear that now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, on the ninth, it's Stop Bullying Day, which is good. Uh, do you think people who bully know that they're bullying? That maybe when her president will resign. <laughs> that would stop be a good. lot of bullying. Yeah. Okay, and bring your teddy bear to work day or school day. And it's also on the 9th, it's moldy cheese day. <laughs> and and I you just know, learned that brie is actually moldy cheese. I did not know that. I did not yeah. know that either. And I'm very upset. <laughs> well, also, I'm wondering when they're saying moldy cheese, do they mean just your old cheese that got moldy? Or do they mean cheese that specifically is moldy as part of its uh, flavor and taste like brie? Oh, it's probably the second, but it's I, I think it's also like if you have cheese with mold on it, scrape it off. 
Yeah. I just, my husband loves like blue cheese and uh, the stinky cheese that, that the Three Stooges used to eat. What was that? I, I don't, Limburger? Limburger, yeah. Okay, because that's like the stinkiest cheese ever, I believe. Would there be a separate day for stinky cheese? I don't know. I think Limburger has its own day. I don't know. Okay. Leif Erickson Day. Yay, Leif Erickson. Okay. And um, on the 10th, it's World Mental Health Day. Very important. It should be more than a day. It should be at least a week. On the 11th is National Coming Out Day. Woo! Are, yeah, there, are there going to be good. festivities and stuff going on there? Uh, there are always things like uh, in the proximity of National Coming Out Day. There's, you know, definitely a um, festival in Philadelphia called Outfest, I believe. And, um, you know, there's there's lots of stuff. And, and people do really take that day to come out about different things in their lives. I see it on Facebook, definitely. And um, other so things. It's so it's about a kind variety of, of things. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's LGBT, but. You know, I, I know some people who have come out as Polly on that day and, and other things that sort of um, inspires them to have the courage to speak about who they are. So I came out as pagan on that day, not that it, it, to the like the possibly one person that didn't know. Mm -hmm. so. Wow. How, how did that go? It was all right. You know, I just post it on on my social media and people are not surprised. So, you mm. know. <laughs> Yeah. Not at this point. Yeah. The 12th, October 12th, is I Love Yarn Day. So we've got some people we know who love yarn. Well, you, you're one of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to hate my yarn, and I've Aww. got piles of yarn all over the rec room. Okay. Um, let's see. Also, Free Thought Day. Thought is free. Thought is free. Is that like an atheist then. day? Or because a lot I of times. I think it's like just express yourself freely. Okay. Oh, well, Shakespeare liked to sing about it. Um, chess day. Okay, we're going to have to practice chess. Uh, I have to find somebody to play chess with. Um, the thirteenth is National No Bra Day. Are you going to do that one? Or do I you always do that one. I used to always do that one, and now I hardly ever do that one because it's, it's just going to hurt. No, they they get in the way now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. There comes a time in in uh, a person with breasts life where they just turn into these giant bags of stuff that just sort of get in the way of everything. <laughs> just don't trip. That's actually interesting because, like, I I'm a pretty much a naturist anyway, but. When if I'm doing a sport, like that's not a time to be nude. It's <laughs> a time to yeah. have things strapped in. <laughs> well, yeah. I, appropriately I'm, for the, I'm for the getting, exercise. You know, if I lean over and I'm sitting there on my knees, it's it's really ah. awful. I hate this. <laughs> okay. You know, you're okay. Moves, they're gonna be lots of fun and maybe they are for guys, but oh my gosh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I want to do this anymore i think we need a tmi segment for our patients <laughs> yeah yeah uh that's the only flat-chested person here i i say let's move on okay <laughs> the 13th 
The 13th is also Navy birthday. That means the birthday of the Navy. Yes. Because I didn't write this. Okay. Uh, happy birthday to the Navy. Um, I think Hamilton was involved in starting the Navy. He could have been. Yeah, well, he set up the budget for it. Okay. Um, ten fourteen National Kick Butt Day. Okay, I like that. And also Be Bald, Be Free Day. I, I got to get my husband to enjoy that one. Yeah, uh, me too. I doubt it. I doubt it. He won't be free. I don't think I don't think he'll take the bandana off. <laughs> my my husband fe- uh, realized a long time ago that the hair is gone. The hair is going to go. <laughs> uh, Native American Day, Indigenous Peoples Day, which used to be Columbus Day. And now we've got uh, on the 15th, National Grouch Day, a new day for my husband to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> I love trash. No. <laughs> nice. Uh, we've got some birthdays too. Today is the birthday of John Lennon. Uh, oh, happy birthday, yeah. John Lennon. And also Jackson Brown. And also Alana Fellin, who is the co-author with um, Kevin Patterson of the For Hire series, who uh, was, were on a show a few episodes ago. They were really That's great the interview best outtakes ever oh yes <laughs> good outtakes their dynamic is excellent together i'm looking forward to their next book for sure uh the 10th is uh mario lopez and david lee roth's birthdays um and on the 11th which is national coming out day it is also the birthday of cardi b and eleanor roosevelt that makes a lot of sense both those do make a lot of sense i kind of <laughs> like that I, I thought that too. Um, on the 13th is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's birthday. So oh, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. birthday to her. She is fantastic. Doing good work for sure. And on the 14th, it is the birthday of Usher and also of Doc Coyle, the guitarist for Bad Wolves. And uh, I've known him for so many years that I don't want to say how old he was when I met him. <laughs> But Doc is a fantastic guitarist and and a good friend and really family to me. So happy birthday, Doc. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Doc. And up next is all the news we can handle. So we have had more news in a week than happened in like the last couple of years in some way <laughs> yeah we have all moved to impeachment city yeah right and before i turned on the record button robin was singing a parody of paradise city and it really worked great sing it sing it robin. i want her to do it again it. i'll have to write a better version of it. all right all right i do a pretty good axel rose though so i don't know <laughs> I have to say, though, that if, if you haven't listened to Robbie, uh, um, Randy Rainbow's uh, song about the impeachment, it's pretty if good. If you ever get impeached, I think it's called or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a it's, good one. It was a year ago. So it has references of people who are already like out of the picture and stuff, which is kind of funny, too. You think <laughs> about how much. Well, yeah. Changing. It, they've had they've had more turnover than than. Uh, then an analogy of a workplace with a high turnover. <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> and a 
pancake house? I don't know. Or I, something? I, I don't know. Never mind. In the place where, where I work. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so um I you know, when this airs we will know a lot more, but I mean so far there's been a whistleblower who has really told a lot of truth about this um it, it Trump's approaching the the Ukraine to try to um get dirt on Hunter Biden. We've got the transcript was released sort of like a, a, a approximation of the conversation was released which exactly corroborated with the with the voice whistleblower and then the full thing is out um i've listened and to the re, there's it's redacted still there's yeah yeah, yeah. Redacted. But the, the notes the notes from the white house that the white house itself the the trump insisted on releasing were so damning and it, it was like so ridiculous that he thought oh why should this bother anybody you know yeah but, I got, that is a curious thing about him and i think that's the the thing that he does everything so obviously yeah that- i think he really believes that he can't do anything wrong because he's the president it, it, it's i think he really he really confuses the role of the president with you know what you get to do if you are a king yeah and and, and also it, and if you're running your own company that you own yeah uh it, it's it's kind of amazing to me um you know and and i'm also it i i'm just what yeah what happened yesterday oh this morning i was reading this morning on the in the news that uh the whistleblower who who has expressed interest in testifying before Congress. And I'm assuming that's ha- going to happen this week. Thursday. Uh, last, yep. Yes. It'll be last week at this point. We are, it, it's Monday here. Um, and he's now under federal witness protection because there's a, a bounty on his head now for dollars. Yes. They called it a bounty. Who's putting, I'm not sure this, some of this might be fake news. Okay, because I saw that there that there was witness protection, and then another agency or his lawyer, I think, came out yeah. and said that's not accurate. Okay, yeah. So I don't want to. All right. By, by the time anyone hears this, that might be true by then, but I don't know. <laughs> well, one of the problems was that the New York Times really gave a lot of information about the, you know, gave more information about who, who the, where the whistleblower comes from than a lot of people were comfortable with and a lot of people were were uh really upset with them about that Mm. so they are the person is in potentially more danger than was necessary according to a lot of people's opinions you know and the danger of course comes from the president's tweets that he's um saying this is uh somebody who's a, a a spy and and that it's treason and you know what we do with people who perform treason you know so it's like uh we're uh murder in the cathedral you know if you understand my reference Uh, uh henry henry ii said will anybody rid me of this man and so the knights went out and killed killed uh, thomas more Thomas Morton, no, Thomas Beckett. Sorry, Thomas Beckett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. The $50,000 bounty is coming from places like Axios and media media some mediaite.com and inquisitor so it's questionable so yeah it, it's like the like nbc and and the washington post are saying you know that the there's a letter from um the lawyer the whistleblower's lawyer that that he's he wants the, to get the protection because now because he's saying that trump is endangering his client but nothing okay. nothing about like a well hang on a second i'm looking at a this specific article. bounty yeah um, real-time research yeah, <laughs> but it's real like that research. you know i try to check yeah. what's going on and it, it's always changing and up you know updating so i try to keep up aware of what's happening okay here is the last paragraph it says bakaj who i'm assuming is the lawyer um acknowledged that it was the whistleblower's source of information whom trump's statement targeted but he wrote that the distinction quote does nothing to assuage our concerns for our client safety unquote claiming that quote, certain individuals, unquote, had put out a $50,000 bounty for information relating to the whistleblower's identity as well. Hmm. So, so that's what it's, it's for IDing the guy, the person. And that's from what source? Uh, the lawyer. Oh, okay. All right. And, but where was it? I'm reading this on the NBC news website. Ah, okay. Well, is a little more reliable than other sources I was right looking on. at this morning. So I guess we'll, by the time this airs, we'll, it'll probably be uh, a non-issue because mm -hmm. if the guy's testifying in front of Congress, they're going to see him. I don't, I mean, how are they, can they do that in a closed session and they don't? It, and it, yeah, I think they can. Or okay. They, yeah, sure. Hmm. Okay. He could wear a mask. <laughs> he should be, he could be behind a screen. The unknown whistleblower. The, the, the masked yeah. uh, witness yeah. instead of the masked singer. There you go. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but like like they do uh, auditions for musicians at, at uh, the the great... Uh, the blind auditions. Yeah, yeah, blind auditions. They could do that. You know, have a little screen there. Um, the, the other thing that, that struck me too, that I had been looking at this morning is the opinion of people that they've been polling the opinion and how up to this point, up until this whole debacle this past week, uh, people were against impeachment, but now the polls show there's a shift, uh, in the American public. And, um, I'm just, I'm just wondering about why people were against it in the first place i From, you know, I, I was just okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> i was listening to um or watching uh john oliver's thing from the last, the last most recent episode. No, no, the most recent one. Uh -huh. He talked about uh stupid Watergate 2, the stupidest Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, and and you know, obviously this is a comedian, but I think I think he's making a, a, a real point that um this particular episode is completely easy to understand. It's something he's done while he's president. It's on, it's recorded, it's very clear that there's pressure on a foreign government for personal gain. It's not like 
the Mueller report happened over two years and it was like very, a lot of legalese kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So people, a lot of people didn't follow it or didn't really pay attention to it. Um, other things that he did before he was president, maybe didn't feel like it had as much impact or anything, but this is such a very clear cut thing that you can understand. It's in the news right now. It's something that is, you know, bite-sized, I guess, you know, yeah. so the public can get a hold of it. Because a lot of people who aren't following politics every day aren't, didn't really even, maybe they had a vague understanding there's some investigation happening, but I don't know, whatever, you know, this is a lot clearer. So you're saying that the the reason why the general public is shifting is because this is much more understandable. I think so. And it's, and you can, it can be reported in a way that's very clear cut. Mm-hmm. You know, and someone can say, I didn't say this thing. And then here it is on tape. I, somebody even said, I think it was Chris Christie who said, well, you know, you can't really prove that there's any pressure or anything unless somebody says something obvious, like, do me a favor. And then <laughs> the, oh. the, the audio comes out and literally that's what was said, you know. <laughs> so it's funny. Yeah, well, even, it's not even funny. It's, you know, Chris I, Christie would know. Yeah, people, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the people I've talked to who are, I don't know if they're, if they're, there's actually, I think some of them are still against impeachment. Um, they're doing it because they don't think, they think it's going to interfere. It's going to look bad for Democrats because they're not, if they can't remove him from office, if he won't step down or whatever. Um and they're also going, well, it's never going, they're, they're, they're going, it's never going to pass through the Senate. They're, it's never going to do this. It's never going to that. Why are we wasting our time and money? And, and my response to them was that it is the duty of Congress to, to go through this regardless of how it ends up. You know, we as a country need to do the right thing. And it is absolutely the right thing to do at this time. It was probably the right thing to do a few months ago, but it's like, you know, it's basically he's he's out there waving his dick around in public. And it's like it you can't like not see this. Yeah. That it's yeah. yeah, and I can't unsee that image, Wendy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but I know what you mean. Yeah, it's I and I agree. You know, I, I think at some point you have to stand up for the law and our um, justice our conventions and for justice yeah. and all of that. Yeah. If we are, I mean, we're supposed to be this nation of laws and yeah. he's violating the law. So we have to use the law to smack him down. And if we don't, then we're not a nation of laws and what the hell. Yeah. Right. You know, I was just <laughs> thinking about that. If, if somebody commits a crime and then there's no way that once you prosecute the crime, there's no way to undo the crime. That that's like the same argument that these that these people are saying is like, well, what's the point? But you still have to have justice. Like if somebody murdered somebody, you can't bring back the dead person, but you still have to prosecute the person for murder. Right. And they if, might not get convicted or something, but you yeah. got, but you still need to do you need try, to go. The, you you know, have to go the through the motions. Yeah, and and honestly, I think as this progresses, it because there. I mean, and people have been have been uh, 
comparing this to the end of the Nixon presidency for a while now, and it's it's similar in a way that that at the beginning of Watergate, that most of the country was against the impeachment process. And by the end, most of the people were for it. Uh, and at the beginning, the Republicans were, you know, going, so oh, we're never going to impeach this guy. And by the end, it's like uh, the 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 head of the the Republican Senate caucus went into Nixon and said, look, dude, resign or we're going to impeach you. Yeah. Mm. So I think I think we're seeing a little bit of movement in some ways. I mean, especially uh, since that unanimous Senate thing that happened last week, well, two weeks ago is when this airs, mm -hmm. which doesn't happen in, in the Senate hardly ever. And especially now. I mean, when was the last time the Senate was unanimous about anything? I don't remember mm. that at all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. So and that was McConnell. McConnell, you know, because he, he agreed amazing. with it and and then that happened. So he may be he may be throwing Trump under the bus at some point in the future, too. Yeah. Yeah. But so then if this happens, if he's impeached, does that mean he gets kicked out as president? It it has to. Well, I think I tried to explain it. I, I, I work I, uh, last time. It's the House does the investigation and then it goes to, to the Senate and the Senate holds a trial. Okay. And so if, if he, they hold if the trial and, and he's found guilty, then he's not president anymore. Yeah. What, so that like the last time when it was Clinton and it went to the Senate, the trial. I, did they not, did not convict him. They did mm -hmm. not convict him. So that's why that impeachment and, and it may not way. have come to trial because i think the democrats held the the senate at that point yeah i don't remember okay but so then if they do impeach and do um release the release trump from uh the presidency then it's we we're stuck with mike pence uh depends because i or thought is he, he going to be implicated he, I thought, I thought he was already thrown under the bus. He already was. Trump did throw him under the bus in his, I but think he said would... something like, uh, what did he say? He said, oh, well, the, my phone call was perfect. It was a perfect call. Yeah. And you should oh, listen yeah. to Pence's calls because he had some perfect calls too. And I was like, oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny. It, I think for Pence, it would be a separate proceeding. So he would be in charge for a while. But you know what? His we don't policies, know. We really don't his know. His policies what are already getting snuck in. All yeah. the all this anti-abortion and anti-LGBT stuff. That's from Pence. Mm. Trump could give a shit about that. Mm. Yeah. I'm I'm just um most concerned right now with like the overarching justice and, and keeping the structure of the the democracy, you know? So <laughs> well, I'm that's do the impeachment or, you know, yeah. go through this process I'm just, and whatever comes next, we can, we'll work it out. Yeah. I just, I guess I'm just looking at the succession. I'm looking yeah. forward. So if we can, if Mike Pence has gotten thrown under the bus. Then we got Nancy Pelosi come popping up, right? <laughs> yeah. That, well, that would, would be, be a, a weird way to get the first female president. Yes. Yeah, but, but anyway, I'll be we can. okay with that. I'll be yeah. okay with that too. 
we can dream. So <laughs> who knows? We have another news item that has nothing to do with our president. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, what is that? Um, it was somebody, some group of people figured out how some a group of scientists figured out um, that 2.2 billion acres of land worldwide will be suitable for reforestation, which could capture two thirds of human carbon, human made carbon emissions, which would m do a lot to mitigate the climate crisis, mm. which is a lot of trees. Well, I'm um, I'm doing my bit by not pulling any of the weeds in my yard. They <laughs> turned into trees. <laughs> they literally, I have trees now where they used to be weeds. Wow. Well, I mean that in a way that's true of my yard too because I used to have a much more of a field kind of thing, and over the years it's much more forested, which is really nice. I like having it wildness and. Um, uh, allowing for some of that and and also you know keeping it so that it's usable but also um a lot more woodsy which is which feels nice but but i think the thing about this article is that it really gave ideas of like where in the world like there there is space for planting and it's something that people could actually go do you know that was mm -hmm. that felt encouraging to me that um that's a thing you know i i can't force um corporations to change their recycling habits or how they manufacture things but you could get a, a bunch of people to plant trees <laughs> and it sounds so hippy dippy but it, it's kind of yeah well it's it's a positive it, thing to to recognize so they're saying the greatest potential can be found in just six countries russia with 151 million hectares the united states canada australia brazil and china Oh, yeah. They we... could make the biggest impact. Okay, yeah. let's tell them. <laughs> is there is there any kind of organization that is plan uh, planning this or trying to get people to do this? Uh, that I don't know. Um, I know that there's a there's a group of people in Africa doing a coast east to west coast planting of trees to halt the southern creep of the Sahara Desert. Mm. And I know that's been going on um, at least this year, if not prior to that. Um, you know, they, they just released this study. So it's going to take, you know, the, the wheels of government turn fairly slowly. Um, so uh. it's, you know, I mean, there's, you can plant a tree in your yard, but they're talking about you know, reforesting. So that's going to be actual forests where there's not, you're not growing crops, you're growing trees and whatever grows underneath there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and if I turn my backyard into a forest, for example, I won't be able to grow vegetables anymore because there won't be enough sunlight. So mm. there's going to have to be some kind of... Which um, is why I don't grow vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a good, um, it's a thing that people can do obviously like organizations need to come together and and work on it but it's something that i would love to participate in and we could be lobbying kind of we could lobby our our legislators to to get on the program with reforestation in yeah. areas that will support it yeah that's a good thing to do
We thought it would be a good time to spread the love uh, with all our listeners and hope that you can help spread the love for us too by giving us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, Facebook or wherever you get your podcast from. Let people know that you like us. Give us a nice um, score. and Five stars. Yeah, five stars would be great <laughs> if you can do that, but we're, we're not going to twist your arm. We, yes, we, we are. Okay. <laughs> I'm Kevin Patterson of Poly Role Models. And I'm Melana Phelan, the polyamorous librarian. Together we write the For Hire novels, and you are listening to The Leftscape. The shape of progressive conversation. This is Robin Renee here for The Leftscape, and I am speaking with Aaron Dillard, who is otherwise known in the music world as Emo Spacebird. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Um, good. I actually woke up super early this morning. I've just been waiting. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's good to have an excited interviewee. Yeah. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. Sure, sure. Um, well, uh, Emo Space Bird was one of the performers on the first day of the Black Women's Arts Festival, which just happened at the Rotunda in Philadelphia on September 21st. And I also performed at that event. And I was just really taken by uh, her music. So I just first, I was just curious about your name. And does the name Emo Space Bird describe your musical style? Um, so I actually came up with that at a summer camp. I not only worked in like an art department, but I was told to, it's the reason I started playing ukulele as well. Um, so I taught the kids how to draw in different styles like anime and just like, you know, random like doodles and stuff. And then they also were like, oh, you're a musician. Cause I, you know, I've been playing piano since I was nine. Um, they were like, teach the kids baritone ukulele. Cause they had a bunch there. And I was like, I've never played this instrument, but sure. It's kind of like guitar. I kind of know how to play guitar. And so I ended up teaching them that and I fell in love with it. And after I left, I ended up buying my own and just really getting to the motion of it. But I came up with the name there as well. So it's like uh, the summer camp I worked at was a Sherwood Forest camp in Missouri, Lesterville, Missouri. And it's for kids that don't necessarily have a lot of money or have just difficult upbringings. And it gives them the chance to uh um, give them the summer of a lifetime at a discounted price, which is cool. But anyway, I was just had like a free for all day. I was like, okay, we can draw whatever we want. And so I started drawing this bird. It's just a pink bird with like a choker and spiky hair um, and stars around it. It's like literally the worst drawing I've ever made in my life. <laughs> I still <laughs> have it. And I called it Emo Space Bird. And I was like, hmm, I kind of like that name. Um, and this is before I'd really performed out. I'd 
performed a couple places like open mic or, you know, stuff in high school, but nothing really, you know, crazy. And so I don't know. It's, it's just the name. It just reminded me of kind of like just like an alter ego, like a superhero. I really like birds. I didn't like them when I was younger just because I was like, they are so free. And I, I kind of was envious of that because in certain times of my life, I felt kind of stuck. And when I think of birds, they just roam and they get to do whatever they want and nobody tells them what to do. They just do what they want to do. And I was like, you know, I kind of enjoy that. You know, space birds. So, yeah, I don't know. Nice. <laughs> I like the name a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. So you mentioned you play ukulele, which was great. I saw you playing ukulele with, uh, with like a, some looping pedals mm-hmm. and you really create a lot of a lot of sounds with that. And your voice is very open and atmospheric. And um, so that's really what sort of felt like the crux of your sound, but I'm curious like what other instruments you use in your work and how you produce your work. I know you play guitar. Um, So like I said, uh, I started out in piano uh, from the age of nine. Uh, I had a very musical family. My mom played piano, my dad played tenor sax. I have three brothers and four sisters. So there was always music around the house. Um, I'm the youngest of them. So it was nice to just hear what they were listening to and have my own influences as well. Back to ukulele, yeah, I I told you I learned that at summer camp, and the only reason I, like, decided to not play acoustic, because I was like, "Ah, I think I just want to switch it up, and then that's when I start getting into, like, pedals and different stuff like that, but other than those two instruments, I kind of know how to play drums. I learned guitar uh, very minimally. I can play a couple chords, so that probably helped as well, but my main instruments are electric uke ukulele, piano. I know harmonica, um, tambourine. I don't know if that really even counts, but (laughs) yeah, just like miscellaneous stuff like that. Right, right. Beautiful. Um, What's the overall sensibility of your work? Like between the sound and the lyrics, what are you, what are you conveying? Um, Lately, I've been conveying less about, so in my earlier stuff like if you look up my EPs I talked a lot about like unrequited love or like lover's lament and stuff like that but more so I've been going through stuff that involves stuff that's happening in the world so in my stuff that's coming out soon you'll hear more of that but um I am not I don't consider myself to be a very good speaker like, uh, so this is um interesting to me. Um, I don't know how I'm doing, but anyway. You, you sound great when, so far. <laughs> thank you. When I write, it just gives me the chance to convey things in a way that makes sense in my head. And I'm like, this is how I can get my stuff out to the world or how, my, how I get out my feelings. It's a way for me to release everything that I hold in. Because sometimes I'll hold stuff in. And I think writing songs about, you know, s- something that happened in my life or a situation with love that didn't maybe go right or maybe a love song, or even ha- having it not go right and then still having the song to remember the memory by is just really cool to me. I don't know. It's just... I like having songs that make me think of a particular time of my life, like how I was feeling and what I was going through. So that's pretty much what I was, what I try to convey, just like a diary into my world, a diary of emo space bird. (laughs) And so now that if you're thinking about doing more things about what's going on in the world, is that 
something that is very prevalent for you in your emotional life as well right now? So it's Definitely. coming that way. Um, especially, I guess, being a minority, not only, you know, uh, Black and a woman, it's just not only working in like the service industry, you get a lot of just interesting stuff that you have to deal with with those three things alone and mm. I can tell a bunch of stories, but I think I'll save them for my work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, at this, uh, so you're from Missouri, you mentioned mm-hmm. that. And I'm curious about your journey to Philadelphia and what mm-hmm. that has been like for you. Philly is great. Um, great music. I love the food. I'm a big foodie. So like <laughs> I came here super sick in March. And like, just like I had a fever, that's all. Um, Let me start with like the months before that. So I'm working at like, you know, a service job, Panera, and I'm performing, but I'm kind of not really getting that many, you know, performances out and nobody's really coming to my shows. I'm just feeling kind of stuck. And I have a friend that just calls me and is like, oh, I think you should move to Philly. I think you'd love it here. And I'm like, I don't know the first thing about Philly. Uh, I, I don't know if that's going to work out. And so a couple months passed and I'm still, you know, in the same kind of just downward spiral, if I say, just not really happy with anything that I'm doing, not really feeling really fulfilled, still writing, but like not finding a way to get it out or just, just feeling stuck. And then I reached out to them in like December and I was like, you know what? I'm why not? I'll give Philly a try. Um, I didn't really know what was in store for me. And so by the time March hit, they came back. We drove there. It's like a very long drive. I'm getting over the sickness. The first thing I did when I got to Philly was I took a nap and then I tried a Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. And I was like, this is really good, but I wish my throat wasn't sore. Um, and then after that, it's just like things just started happening. Um, I They recommended that I put my work in like a, the Philly DIY and stuff like that, just like the pages you get on Facebook. And then people are like, oh, play this show, play this show, play this show. And then out of nowhere, um, it's just been like crazy. Like, I don't know. Um, I'm very thankful to be here. And, and the reception of my music has been very well, like very nice. It's, it's really cool. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like. Everybody's just been so nice. We're like, oh, what you're doing is so good. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> it's awesome. So yeah, that's pretty much the journey. That's really cool. That's good. That's good. Good move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, at the festival, one of the things that really struck me that you said from the stage is that you had never been so proud to be a black woman. Yes. And I would 100%. love to hear more about that journey and what yeah. that meant for you. Um, well, just growing up in the Midwest, it, it, even sometimes, you know, I've heard stuff here, but in the Midwest, you're around predominantly not people of color. I'm from Missouri, St. Louis, and then I moved to Columbia, Missouri for the last couple of years, which there's literally not really that many black people. Um, and um, you deal with a lot of microaggressions, people saying things that they necessarily wouldn't say to other people just because they I don't know, even not even think of you maybe as a person, but just like they're just like, yeah, like it doesn't matter. Like just like asking, you know, about your hair, like can they touch it or calling you out of your name and stuff like that. It's just I don't know. It's just weird. I 
and it's it's almost made me like I've never like thought of myself as like I don't know cool or interesting or like uh desirable if that makes any sense until the last couple years of my life I, I don't know if that's just with age or just like the the journey with me discovering like of like oh I, I am good at this or I am amazing because I, you know, have this skin or I am great because my hair's this way, like, or I am great just being myself, just, I don't know, but I have never been more proud to be who I am simply because, I don't know, it's just, I just feel more open, like, in this space, for sure. I don't know how it be, how it will be when I go back, but yes. Definitely being in this space, it's it's refreshing to walk down the street and see other people that look like you that don't necessarily have bad perceptions of you, if that makes any sense. They don't think anything of me, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So, so you haven't visited home since you've been in Philadelphia? Yeah, I will be going back in December, which is great. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> It'll be interesting to hear how that goes for you with your newfound <laughs> yeah, um, confidence. Stories. I'm sure my my friends back home. I have I do have friends back home too. We'll have a lot of stories too. And like, what's going on? How are you? <laughs> so yeah, there are lots of things that I do love about back home, but some of the things are just you know there. There's I think people forget that you can also love a place and realize there are certain things that need to change or aren't necessarily perfect about the, you know, the place that you're from. Sure, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what are some of your favorite artists? Oh, so many. Um, if we're talking about like older artists, I really love Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson, Shaka Khan. I also like, um, I don't know, uh, Sam Sparrow. He's like a, he kind of worked with Shaka Khan. He made the song Black and Gold, Black and Gold. Um, and some newer artists are really into Miguel. Um, there's this uh, band called Bane's World. Um, let's see. I've been listening to uh, a lot of Unknown Mortal Orchestra. So yeah, it's just, um, I, I really like uh, 70s a lot though. The 70s, that's a, that's a good era of music, I think. But if I could I live agree. in the period, I would have loved to live in the 70s. Oh, wow. That's cool. May I ask what, uh, I don't know if you tell your age, but I'm curious. So, <laughs> you're, since you're influenced in something from definitely the past. <laughs> well, I did have older parents. I'm um, oh. the youngest of eight, like I said. So, yeah, they were in a, I, I grew up listening to like stuff like Al Green. They were, you know, played the Beatles or um, D'Angelo, you know, just all kind of stuff. Um, but I'm 25. <laughs> okay. I look like I'm 12, but I'm 25. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway. Well, that's cool. Yeah, and, and the thing I love about music is that it really, you know, it spans time. Yes. So Your music was awesome, too. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you, thank you. Oh, my God. But, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, I feel influenced by anything, you know, Al Green and the Beatles, and I love Richie Havens, nice. and I love, you know, a lot of rock stuff, but it, but it, you know, but it does span, if something could be written yesterday or 50 years ago, and it feels like it can have relevance, and that's one yeah. of the things I like about being an artist. Exactly. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what do you think of 
the role of musicians and artists in society? Do you think it's to to soothe or to challenge or to tell stories? I know you say you really sort of like the diary aspect of your work. Yeah. I don't know if I can speak for other musicians. I think a lot of people do it for different reasons. Me, like I said, it's the best way. It makes me feel so free. It's the best way I can, I can convey my emotions. Like I can't imagine not making music. I could be doing any sort of day job or, or any anything in any any place in the world, but their music will always be in my life. Like it's just I couldn't imagine not do, not living without it. Ah, uh, yeah, that's why I use music just to convey my message and convey what's going on in this head of mine in the best way possible. <laughs> and I, oh, man, I just. I couldn't imagine not living without music. Music gets a lot of um, crap nowadays, though. Like musicians, I'll hear a lot of people say, "Like, oh, there's no good music anymore." Back in my day, music was, you know, this that. And I love older generations' music, but I will say, I say to those people, "When's the last time you've been to a house show? When's the last time you've been to like a, a festival? What what local musicians do you support? Are you are you listening to any new music besides what's on the radio? That might be your problem. I don't know." So. I'd say there's lots of good music. I've heard a lot in the last couple of years. I've heard a lot in Philly. It's been great. So I don't know. I think people just need to change their perspective. Yes, I agree. There's so many outlets now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not only what, you know, whatever algorithm Spotify tells you to, yes. you know, helps, helps you to listen to. Yeah. Although that can be good. That can be yeah, interesting sometimes. to discover things. But definitely, like, the radio music is not, it's just the surface of what I think yeah. is out there. And there's nothing wrong. I love pop music. Um, oh, my God. I, I, I listen to, like, pop songs all the time. But it's like, that's not the only thing, because that's not necessarily for everyone. So, yeah. Very cool. So, thanks so much for talking with me. And where can people find you and your work these days? Um, the main place I use is Bandcamp. Uh, emo space bird at bandcamp.com emo space bird e-m-o-s-p-a-c-e-b-i-r-d and then i use instagram and so that is called aaron emo space bird and then i also have a facebook page it's emo space bird a soundcloud emo space bird and a youtube page you guessed it emo space bird <laughs> <laughs> nice. and so that's where people can find out uh where you're playing and just catch up on your For latest sure. material mainly my instagram though I would say that that's where I mainly post. Okay. That sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd be willing to send us an MP3 or two of some of your music, um, that would be great. We'll get, you know, some ex- excerpts on our show. Um, and if there's to. Cool, cool. And if there's a song that you would like to give a little intro to, maybe we'll end this um, interview with a bit of that song. If you want to mention oh. something. Hmm. I should have asked like, you that earlier, but I forgot. So I'm asking oh, you now okay. on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a song I've already released or something I'm releasing soon? Um, something that you have that we can okay. play that can sort of, you know, be an example of what you okay. sound like. Cool. Well, uh, one that people really like to see live um, that I've noticed. They're just like, oh, that's so cool. Um, either Allure from my third EP. I performed that actually at the Black Women's Arts Festival or either Al Green from my second EP, Just Take Me. I think those are both songs that I'll, I'll send I'll send them to you. <laughs> OK. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get some people to hear a little bit of you with those tunes. Then. You said that 
Say it again. I'm sorry. Oh, I said we'll, we will make sure that people get to hear a little bit of what you sound like with, with yeah, one of sure. those. So. Thank you. Oh, oh, actually, one sight for sore eyes. That's another one because I did I like that, that one. That one I'm really proud of. I, yeah. And it's the first time that I sang about a girl. So, yeah. Okay. I like that tune. So I will I will advocate for that one. Wonderful. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank you so much, Emo Spacebird. It's wonderful to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. Oh, my God. All right. You take care. Take care. Robin Renee here. I am going to be performing on Sunday, October 20th at the Ale and Witch Pub in New Brunswick, New Jersey. It's like an old home stomping ground show for me. Uh, that's at 246 Hamilton Street, New Brunswick, New Jersey. It is an all-day thing celebrating their 45th anniversary um, and doors open at two o'clock. I'll be sharing the stage with Batting a Thousand, Jigs, Bread and Circus, Angular Brothers, Trip Dogs, and 12 times Kevin. So I hope that you can come check it out. And as always, I've got music for sale kind of everywhere around the web. Um, please check me out at robinrene.com and uh, hope to see you soon. Well, it is self-promotion month and I'm going to be promoting myself because we need to eat here. Um, so I have, <laughs> I have an Etsy store uh, it's called Wendy Cards with a Z. So that's W-E-N-D-Y-C-A-R-D-Z dot Etsy dot com, uh, where you can get these lovely uh, political postcards to mail to your, your people in Congress or wherever. Uh, I also have T-shirts and stickers and other things that I've made or drawn or designed. Um, and there's usually stuff goes up all the time. Um, I will be at the Rahway Artist Flea Market on November 2nd from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's at the Rahway Rec Center. Uh, if you're a local, you'll know where that is. <laughs> and I will also be tabling with my friend Dee at PhilCon, which is the Philadelphia Area Science Fiction Convention, on November 8th through 10th at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. If you guys are there, please stop by and say hi. I would love to talk to you.
So today in the blanket fort, um, I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome because I've been kind of feeling it a bit and how to stop it. Um, and, uh, you know, I hear the, the fake it till you make it kind of advice for it. And I do that, <laughs> but then I feel like very much an imposter because I'm faking it. So can, can you explain what imposter syndrome is? Uh, it's hard to do that. Um, no, it's not. Well, then you do it then. If I, <laughs> it's it's a syndrome where people people who are good at something or knowledgeable about something think that they're not. Okay. And so you know you you go and you get a degree in school about to do something uh, you become an engineer or something and then you think oh i don't know enough about this um they do say that women are more prone to it yeah. than men yeah. well cuz it it also it's it's also accompanied with a feeling like i don't really belong here yeah you know and 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 men have not had that kind of issue until extremely recently and they that's why they push back on it because they mm. are or especially like white men it's like the world is designed for them and they're appropriate everywhere yeah you know i i was reading about something else it had to do with uh people applying for jobs they did a survey where where they said uh, they put together um a description of a job uh, and all the qualifications of the job and then showed it to people and asked them, would they apply for this? Did they feel that they were qualified to apply for this? And all the men would apply for it. And the women, like only half the women would apply and they would ask them, well, why did you apply? Do you have the qualifications? And the men who did not have the qualifications would still apply because they would say, well, I figure I can learn on the job. Whereas the women would not apply because they would say, well, I don't have the qualifications. So mm -hmm. that's the difference. Well, it's also, I, I don't know, in a lot of the jobs I've taken on, uh, they expect you to be productive like right away. So there ain't no time to be learning on the job. Yeah. Uh, I guess it speaks to a kind of confidence that like what you were saying, Wendy, that some people are sort of, trained into early you know mm. they're like oh i can just show up and do this thing and yeah you know again um, I, 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 yeah. no and it's and it's actually it's it's stopping me from applying for certain gigs or jobs too because i i look through the thing and well it's a lot of it's in my specific case it's 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 lack of a decent portfolio but um other than that you know uh so I, I am reading, you know, this, this article about it from uh, this woman, Valerie Young, who talks about this a lot. I guess she's making a career out of helping people get out of uh, imposter, overcoming imposter syndrome. Um, and her main point, her first point is the big difference between people who are thinking they're unworthy or an imposter here and the people who aren't is how they think about things and 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 how they feel 
how they how they feel it it's it's the only difference is that they think about the situation differently um and she also said that the feelings over this are like the last things to change so it's not a a quick fix kind of thing um and uh so her 10 steps that she's giving um are like the first one is is break the silence uh so knowing that you can name these feelings that you're having um, and you can express them to people in a safe place and know that you're not alone um, is a very helpful thing, you know? Um, and I know Mary is like one of my biggest cheerleaders because she, <laughs> many years ago when I was expressing frustration in a lot of stuff, she, she made me an award, which oh, wow. I have friends. Yeah, I remember that. Office. That's cool. And it helped because, <laughs> um, you know, when you're, when you're in a room with, well, there's also that other thing where, where it's like someone was saying, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. Oh, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. in terms, like I mean, Mark, you should, you should be, you should always you should be, be leveling a, up. <laughs> yeah. There, you should always yeah. be a place that's going to, that where ha there's somebody that you can learn from. Yeah. Or that can mentor you for the next thing. Um, but it's also important, and I think part of the things with imposter syndrome is also recognizing that you have things to teach and to show and to present. Yeah, I. And that's the I part have that a huge problem with that. <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's the thing, and you know, I definitely, as a as a musician, and as a poet, and as a, you know, all the things that I I do on stage, um, I have. By moments, I have and I have periods of time. Sometimes, well, for me, it's different. I mean, I sometimes feel like I'm going through personal stuff, and I don't feel like I'm ready to present new material or something like that. And some of that might be imposter syndrome, but some of it is just allowing for processing. I'm sort of trying to parse those things. Um, but I do. I have had those experiences that are just like why am I on the stage? I don't, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, I've never had that. I've, I remember there was one gig where I felt like I was exactly where I needed to be. And it was so great. And then I got kicked out of the band. Um, <laughs> uh, well, that sucks. Yeah. I know. Do you think that caused <laughs> more imposter syndrome in the future? Like anxiety no. or something? No, no, I, I, I don't think that was would probably have just been a personality clash sort of thing. Oh, it was totally. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I, uh, you know, I have had both of those feelings though, where I mean, I absolutely often feel really in the zone when I'm performing, and it's like, oh my god, this is great. You know, this is this is. I'm re I remember why I do this sometimes, like when I'm seeing great concerts, and also mm -hmm. when I'm performing, I can feel those things. Um, but I also sometimes, uh, like if I get a compliment from someone that say like, oh my God, you're, you're, you're such an amazing songwriter or whatever. I'm kind of like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> and, then, like, and you're really? feeling, you're feeling <laughs> so, the opposite of what they just said. Yeah. Or feeling like, uh, you have no idea, like of all the <laughs> crappy things I write or all the things that I 
could be the doing it. I'm too lazy to do it. Like I have a lot of head noise. I definitely do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to throw this one out there. Uh, per perfect is the enemy of the good. Yeah. That's true. Um, that's and, true. And that's actually one of her things is accentuate the positive and it. And it's like, forgive yourself for making mistakes. And, and, you know, perfectionism, I guess is laudable in certain ways, but really it will prevent you from finishing anything. Yeah. 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 I am a perfectionist and it is miserable at times, actually. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I did. a. I actually drew a, a whole like a little art piece that says perfect is the enemy of the good because, you know, I needed to work. I'm still working on that, although I'm a lot better with that. Um, what's the other uh, expression? My, good my... enough for jazz, good enough for government work. Yeah, well, my question about that saying that you just said, though, is are you meaning that good is good or are you meaning that good is just so-so? No, I'm meaning that good is good enough. That good that enough, good enough okay. is good enough and it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. I mean, because if you do the good thing, you can continue to work on that. Yeah. You, can, yeah. you, you, put, you get it out there. And it's great. It's good. And many people will think it's great and you can work on it. But if you don't ever start because it's not perfect yet. Or you never finish. Then you never get anything perfect yet. Right. Yeah. You know, um, well, I, and think... I, I can do that. I can stop myself because I feel like I don't have all the pieces completely in place yet. <laughs> and that's the thing that I'm that's actually exactly what I'm working on. Um, just being like, OK, I can take I can take some steps. And keep moving, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and get yeah. to the next place. Well, I think it's realizing, too, that our work is a process and in focusing on the process instead of just the result. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think also, though, with this, as far, far as um, imposter syndrome goes, the first step is to realize that it is such a thing and to recognize it when it pops up. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing she says is separate feelings from fact. And mm. and she's it's there's she times give an example? that you'll feel stupid. It happens to everyone from time to time. And just because you may feel stupid, it doesn't mean you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What what is that other syndrome? It's Dunninger something Dunninger. Dunning Kruger. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit terrifying <laughs> but but that this is very much like that or part of that oh, the it's thing, like the, the other the side people, of the coin yeah well you if you know a lot about a topic you know enough to know what you don't know whereas people who don't know anything about a topic think they're experts so well, and you can't bit. and it's not knowable that's the problem with that syndrome like yeah. you can't know that you're terrible at this thing that you're terrible at so when dunning kruger yeah. and and <laughs> the imposter syndrome collides yeah that's pretty bad <laughs> i think that's me yeah. oh, no. well you hear well, me talking very definitively about shit i don't know anything about that's true. You but do. if you know that if you're thinking that that's what you're doing and then you tell me it's wrong and then i go okay <laughs> yeah, well, at least you tried. <laughs> so I want to know where the fear originates. What do you think? Oh, um, where does that, you know, come from in you that f you feel like you're not adequate or you're not? Well, okay. It, 
it's <laughs> um and i will give you number three off of her list because it actually fits right in there recognize when you should feel fraudulent if you're one of the first or the few women or a minority in your field or workplace it is only natural that you'd sometimes feel like you don't totally fit in instead of taking your self-doubt as a sign of ineptness recognize that it might be a normal response to being an outsider and i ah, think for so me um as you know one of four engineering students in my class that were women and being the only woman engineer for so many years in so many different workplaces um that is certainly played into whatever feelings of imposter syndrome um i mean i have had literally i have people literally told me that i didn't belong at, at the job even when i did um so i would fight back against like the overt shit just from being stubborn you know and, and especially when i was younger i i really i had a lot more confidence in my abilities um in in those those areas anyway um so it was it was the kind of thing where you know i had the degree and i knew what i was doing and you know there were these old guys that were saying you know i should be home barefoot and pregnant making dinner you know we're making <laughs> <Fuck> them <laughs> yeah, well yeah and I, <laughs> but but the fact that you have to you had to hear that all the time well i heard it once yeah. <laughs> and yeah. now in the and the and he actually said uh wearing a path in the carpet between the kitchen and the bedroom um oh oh, oh well i busted him when i quit i quit that job and the next week the entire department was in for diversity training because they realized they dodged a lawsuit mm. for harassment so you know you reported him for harassment oh, well i had i had an exit interview why are you quitting and i told them this this guy said this to me and this other guy said this to me and this happened and that happened uh, <laughs> and and uh, you should have sued ah it, nobody was suing yet my brother years later told me I had a case. <laughs> My brother yeah. who, who successfully won the first um, female discrimination lawsuit against Kmart in like the 80s. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, it wasn't the very first one, but it was one of the first ones. And it was a big freaking payout, too. But mm -hmm. I had, you know, it was like so long ago. And, you know, I found a better job. <laughs> Um, that's yeah. good the company doesn't exist anymore so you know uh <laughs> it was rca they don't exist anymore right mm. here an extended version of this segment on our new patreon page